dudes, dudettes, dooters, and everyone in between. You are listening to the sound of the voice of the one who is hosting the show, Jesse Kessler, and I am joined by Mariko. How are you doing? I'm good. I really want everyone to understand that we're doing all these, why you may be listening to these intros week after week. We actually did all these intros back to back in the course of an hour. So if it gets a little bit like sounding like we've lost our minds, that's why. If it feels like the wheels are coming off, the wheels are coming off. Um, who have we, I know who we've got today. She runs these streets, yo. She'll deny it, but we all know the truth. <laughs> She's going to be so upset that we say that. But I totally feel like when people are like, so who should I ask? I'm like, Kristen Fukushima. <laughs> that's my go-to answer. And that's why we have her on, because she runs them streets. Yeah. She, she'll and- deny it. She'll deny it on this very episode. Anyway, we'll move on from that bit. Um, Kristen and Scott, I always kind of think of them as like pe- like in pairs, almost mm-hmm. a lot of people in the community, I think like that. And, um, I think now I'm thinking about them as a crime fighting pair. <laughs> it's like every week. <laughs> yes. The Avengers. Oh. Um, these are like the Avengers. It's like yeah. the Avengers of little Tokyo. Uh, so I always think of Kristen and, and Scott as in kind of like a pair because Kristen's organization, um, Little Tokyo Community Council works as a kind of a coalition between nonprofits and local politicians and small businesses and other community stakeholders. Scott works on kind of the community planning, but thinking about like all these like creative bits as well as the sustainable bits, hence sustainable Little Tokyo, but the environmentalism side. And both of them work with some of the same st- uh, community leaders, but also different parts of the community. Um, and one thing I think that's going to be really wonderful when you hear Kristen's uh, interview is, well, one, she talks about some of her favorite Disney films, and there's a very, mm-hmm. a rather passionate argument that breaks out during the fishbowl portion of this <laughs> podcast about what is the greatest Disney film of all time, and Jesse and Kristen I- really I- battle R-C, it out. If I recall correctly, <laughs> she um, skipped over the trifecta perfecta of Disney. So I want to say right now, comment below before you listen to this episode about what your top five Disney films are. And then if after this episode, you change your mind that you want to maybe include some films that you didn't list originally, Mm. comment Mm. again, (laughs) because... I was actually, my mind was changed after listening Kristen talk about her top five Disney films. I'm turning comments off for this episode, just so you know. <laughs> I was rather I do not want to be challenged but, on this forum. But this kind of, this is this is actually a segue back into Little Tokyo. Kristen is one of those people that she is such a good speaker. She is mm-hmm. so passionate. Her facts are always lined up in a row. And she is very aware of who she is, her identity, and what she believes in, that you feel like you're arguing and then you're like, oh, I'm agreeing. When She's people, that good. She really is. When people ask me, like, what do I do with Little Tokyo? I was like, I try to support Kristen Fukushima. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, she's one of the people that really sold it. I will still, so really quick antidote before we get into the episode. When I first um, started working in Little Tokyo, I was really at a big loss about how to approach my work and what to do and just the Japanese American community at all. And Kristen reached out to me and she said, hey, let's meet up for a coffee, obviously at Cafe Dulce, um, mm-hmm. because she and uh, she works with James quite closely and 
she just talked to me for like two hours and she really just very bluntly with like so much transparency was like, hey, this is the history of the neighborhood. This is what Japanese American communities are like overall in Los Angeles. Here are the issues we're facing. This is what we need help with. Like her call to action was so clear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, guidance. <laughs> and then I was like on board. And I think one of the reasons things like my pop-ups um, or our pop-ups and uh, this, even this whole series is happening is probably because she took that time to sit down with me and and kind of just like lend a helping hand Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she obviously saw I was very confused and lost what you're talking about is like it feels very macro like a life uh, life life-changing conversations my experience with Kristen was a bit more micro this was towards the end of the week and I was burnt out in a major way Mm -hmm. and she came in and had such a surplus of energy and vibrance that it uh brought me back to life like frankenstein getting hit with lightning (laughs) so thank you so much Kristen, for your time for your insight your wisdom your kindness um alan menken he's the man without further ado i give to you we give to you i am so sorry i take that back we give to you Kristen fukushima drops Morpheus is fighting Neo. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. My name is Jesse and I am your host today. I am thrilled. I am elated. I am over the moon to be joined by the one, the only, the very illustrious... Kristen Fukushima. (laughs) Kristen Fukushima, welcome to the program. How have you been? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm fantastic. The music feels a little quiet. I think it should be blasting our ears out, and it's not quite cutting the mustard, is it? Uh, No, it's not blasting. And Morpheus is done fighting Neo. Let's slow things down a little bit. Uh, We're going to move into something that I like to call five and five. I've got five questions. You have one minute per answer. So that makes five minutes of answers, and that's why we call it five and five. Some great math. You'd think that if I do this regularly, I would be better at setting that segment <laughs> up, wouldn't you? <laughs> that's great. All right, here we go. You also get little beeps. This is going for our Instagram feed. Okay. So um, the beeps aren't there to stress you out or cut you off. They're to remind you that you will be cut off anyway after one minute on Instagram, because that's the limit of the upload. So think of them as your friend, not as your enemy. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Question number one. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? I grew up in La Habra, California. It is in northern Orange County. Um, it informed my adulthood in that La Habra, when I was growing up, was mostly Latino and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being mixed race Japanese American, I think most people just thought I was another like Mexican-American running around. Uh, despite the last name. And so I think it really uh, made me crave and appreciate Japanese American community and Asian American community when I found it. Um, But also just, yeah, it was just like a weird small town in the middle of Orange or at the top of Orange County. Did your family raise you up with like, did you get the, the, the Asian thing growing up? Like did that, did you get any feeding of that hunger from your Um, family? I think there were always things there. I just didn't Mm -hmm. recognize it as a kid. Like I, I attend a Japanese American church that my great grandpa started. I played Japanese American basketball. Uh, we would occasionally go to little Tokyo, hang out with family, but yeah. I'm going to pause it and mm-hmm. ask a question that is outside of five and five. Okay. Can you dunk on some fools? <laughs> no, I'm so sure. I'm okay. five three. Okay. Um, I am like the least talented at basketball in my family. It's just, we all have to play it because we're JA. Uh, just to, just so you don't feel too, I'm six foot and I cannot dunk on any fools. <laughs> 
<laughs> Back well, to five and five. We'll get, we'll, we'll get all into <laughs> okay. the, the dunking of fools later okay. on. <laughs> Question number two. What is the must-engage media? The book, the record, the album, the television show, the uh, movie that uh, opened the, your brain to the universe that unlocked the secrets of the DNA of humankind? That's a really intense question. Um, I'm an intense person. I I don't know. I can if I can say a person. I would say my sister, Diana Fukushima, mm-hmm. uh, who is four or five years older, and she like is the one who started talking to me about being mixed race. Who took me to Asian American studies classes with her when she was in college and I was in high school and. Uh, just really sort of like made me start thinking about things when I was younger. You are the first guest to have your feet so firmly planted in humanity that you eschewed all pop culture, <laughs> all media to name a human being. This is unprecedented on the fishbowl. I, I don't know. I watch a lot of things too, but okay. my sister. What's, what's yeah. something good? Yeah. Oh, something good? Yeah. What do you write? Uh, uh, I always want everyone to watch Terrace House. I love it so much. It's a Japanese reality show. It's my favorite. Everyone should watch it. It's beautiful. And we are out. Question number three coming up. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? Um, I would say like family and friendship, like social ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People make me I really believe happy. that after your, after your answer to question number two, I totally believe <laughs> yeah. family ties. Mm-hmm. Were your folks still around? Your grandparents still around? What have you got? Um, my uh, immediate family, my parents, and my two siblings are both around, and they, mm-hmm. we all live in Southern California. My dad's parents passed away when I was in middle school, and my mom's parents, um, her mom and her dad are still around, but both their uh, spouses have passed away. Okay. Now, your dad's parents, were you close to them before... Uh, yes, but I think it's hard when you're like young and they pass away. Like you feel very like fond of them, like you love them, but you don't really get to know them as a human. Yes. So I feel like that's a thing I missed out on. There's a lot of context that you need, like historical context mm-hmm. to understand your grandparents that you get a little bit later. And yeah, just like I'd conversations love you don't to get talk to about this more. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Question number four coming at you. Mm-hmm. What gets under your skin? Oh, um, a lot of things. Uh, incompetent people, selfish people, lazy people, um, people bad at drivers, people who talk mm, who talk crap about LA. That mm-hmm. makes me really mad. Giants fans, the Giants team in general. Ugh, don't like orange. Um, yeah, actually, there's a long list. I'm kind of a hater. Now, uh, the Giants, they play cricket? <laughs> Baseball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I maybe, I mean, maybe they play so poorly it looks like cricket. Burn. I, oh, I didn't even we, make it to postseason. <laughs> I wish we had a sound effect. I'm looking for something. There it is. That's the thunder cracking on your okay. on your sick burn. <laughs> okay. I'm going to turn up the audio a little bit. So if we get that again, um, you hate incompetent people, bad drivers and the Giants. Yes. All right. And people who like the Giants, or are they safe from your eye? Um, my mom is one of them, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So oh, I, the play, it's they, really rough. I would love to ask follow up questions, but we have to move on. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Final question. How would you explain Little Tokyo to somebody who has never been there? I would say it is a historic ethnic enclave with a very tight-knit community where it feels like a small village in a big city um, with a lot of like historic businesses, people who really care about it. Um, but also it's just like a fun place to hang out and explore, even if you know nothing about the neighborhood. Do you forfeit your remaining 38 seconds? Oh, wow. Um, you got time. <laughs> I just really condensed someone down. Um, yeah, I would say... What does it mean to you on an emotional level? 
Um, for me, it's home. Okay. Right. Like it really is a place. Uh, so like on the mural, there's, if you like translate out the Japanese, it says little Tokyo is the home sweet home of our hearts. And that's something that I really like carry with me. I think it's both uh, evocative of how I feel about it and what it means as like a home and hub and place for the larger mm-hmm. Japanese American community. That is such an endearing expression. Is it written in Japanese? It is. How do you say that in Japanese? I don't know. Okie dokie. <laughs> we will strike that one from the record. You are done with five and five. Do you want the celebration? Sure. Yes, air horn. <laughs> Thank you for enduring five and five. We're going to ease off that throttle. I'd like to back up a little bit and get to know you more as a child growing up in La Hambra. La Hambra. La Habra. How do you spell that? L A space H A B R A. Copy that. A lot of people think it's Alhambra, but it's a different city. Yes. Alhambra yeah, that's is more delicious. <laughs> Tell San me, Gabriel tell Valley. Me. <laughs> it's like all the legit Chinese food and Taiwanese food. Oh, okay. So just yeah. literally, I thought you were using le- delicious as no, like more fun. No, I mean, like, it so- is like a delicious place to eat. Okay, that place and the is more like, than a snack. We've got like a nice Costco. Oh, they have okay. one too, though. Yeah. Hmm. You, uh, you seem to frame your life in terms of rivalries. <laughs> I know, I know. Very combative. <laughs> I'm a fire sign. <laughs> Was is this is this your whole wait? Which fire sign are you? I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, okay, Leo, yo. Hmm. We're gonna burn that it up. That makes a lot. That's of why sense. We're, that's why we're spitting yeah. pure flames on yes. the mics. <laughs> there it is. Hmm. We're gonna be doing this sound effect yes. a lot. Great, great. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay, so you're growing up in La Habra. Mm. Um, you're a mixed race or both parents? What? what so my mom. How do you is... define yourself in that? You say and you say. I say I'm a mixed race Yonsei or fourth generation okay. Japanese American. Not Shisei. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, Shinike would be a term for like new Japanese immigrants or children of. Um, and then for like f- folks who are here pre war, it'd be like Issei, Nisei, Sansei, Yonsei, Gosei, Rokusei. And I'm sure it will continue forever. I am excited for when we reach <laughs> Yakusei. That's <laughs> something insane. Yeah. Um, so which, which parent is Japanese? My dad. Okay. And mm-hmm. how much, how much of the culture is he in, imbuing in you growing up? Do you have to do any language study or is it, um, I came here to raise an American kid. Well, you're off the hook. I mean, my dad is third generation. So okay. he, him, like he grew up in Silver Lake, which is just, um, outside of downtown LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's. Right, like there's an apple pie on the uh, sidewalk of First Street because Chris Komai, my former board chair, once said, you know, Sansei, third generation Japanese Americans are just as American as apple pie. Um, and then the artist took that to put a pie in the middle mm-hmm. of our street, which is hilarious. Um, so I think like where my is this, dad is... Where is this pie? Can we get a photo of it later on? Is it in the neighborhood? Okay, so we know yeah. where the pie is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, like, we'll get a oh, photo yeah. of that for your episode. Um, and so I think that being third generation Japanese American, especially growing up post-war, it meant that like our community went through a period of like hyper assimilation post-World War II where they just being, they were literally incarcerated for being Japanese. And so mm-hmm. there was like a, f- like fleeing to whiteness, right? Like getting rid yeah. of culture, language, all of that. And so a lot of third generation Japanese Americans, they, you know, they're not speaking Japanese. They don't know the holidays or the traditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they are still involved in the community in many ways, right? Church, temple, community centers, um, the activism is is on point in the <laughs> Japanese community in America after World War II. They yeah. are uh, disobedient in civil ways <laughs> and very very loud and clear ways. Mm-hmm. It's it's really cool to see to see that. Um, when was when was your dad born? Uh, he was born in 1950. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he kind of grew up in the the heyday of of activism mm-hmm. in this area. Yeah, and like ten minutes from Little Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like he was always involved with Japanese American community things, but it wasn't something that he talked explicitly about, right? Yeah. He wasn't like, you need to do this or you should be like this. It was all kind of like that very silent, stoic, sansei way of passing down things. Like he's yep. modeling the behavior, yep, yep, but yep. never saying you need to do this. Yeah. yeah. So when do you kind of get that hunger? You said like it, it hit a bit later, the 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 desire for the community, the the Asian American mm-hmm. community. When does that happen? Is that high school or um, college? I think I started thinking about it in high school, but didn't really have access to things beyond like what my sister was sharing with me from when she was in college. Um, is your sister older than you? She is. What are we talking? Five She's years? She's five years? years older. Okay, so my okay. siblings and I are each two and a half years apart. There's a brother in the middle. Oh, of us. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just the same configuration as my family. Got yeah, a sister, it's a, a nice sister. configuration. Yeah, yeah. The, it, the, I feel bad for you because the one in the middle gets away with anything. Right. Nobody cares. And then when it's an only boy, it like really yeah. mitigates the middle childness, and they yep. just become like golden. I know. Yep. I know. Yeah, yeah no. It was I'm a youngest, spot. but I'm kind of like a middle. Did so. you get spoiled? Spoiled rotten at all? I mean, probably. Yeah. My little sister got babied, like mad baby. I up. definitely didn't have uh, like a curfew and I never like if my parents tried to ground me I just like would laugh my older away. sister didn't have a curfew because it wouldn't have mattered oh. like she had no obedience whatsoever there. oh yeah my sister was like very like harshly regulated and then oh. when they got to me it was just like oh, we've given up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be fine whatever yeah. happens mm-hmm. so what is it in high school your sister starts like uh, preaching the good word of, yeah. of Asian heritage or? well she um, she got really into Asian American student organizing on her campus at Scripps College um, she got really involved with their mentorship program their like student spaces um, like part of some like national work around mixed race stuff. And so I think she just like really wanted to share that with me. So she Mm -hmm. would bring me with her to class. She would bring home books for me to read. Um, she just like talked to me about things. Are and you so, looking up at her starry eyed? Like, is she the big sister I mean, who has it all figured out and you're like going to college campuses and hanging out? Definitely back then. I'd say now we like have evened out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, like back then it was very much like I wanted to just sort of like follow in her footsteps. And then I'm also kind of a contrarian. So then I immediately wanted to then you separate myself. <laughs> so I sort of like was like, I want to do all these things. But then I mm-hmm. also want to distinguish myself from yeah, her. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That's totally legit. You can be starry at, <laughs> at your older sister and then find your own voice as you yeah. go through high school and into your mm-hmm. own college. Did you go to college? Yes. I went, so I went to, so she went to Scripps and I went to Pomona and they're both okay. Claremont College. We got to back up because where I come from, Scripps means when you're hawking prescription medicines, like when you buy drugs from your friends that aren't street drugs there. So Scripps University means something very, I don't know what you're <laughs> Scripps College is I went a... to Scripps College, but it's not <laughs> academic at all. Uh, Scripps College is an all women's college in Claremont. So there's okay. the five. Claremont colleges out in Claremont, California. Okay. So she went to, and they're all small private liberal arts colleges. My parents both went to Pomona. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle John went to Pomona. My like auntie and uncle went to Pomona. And so I went to Pomona and then my sister went to Scripps, which is okay. like literally you cross the street and you're there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what happened between when you were starry eyed and when you went to college that made you so uh so venomous against your sister that you would not go to Scripps, that you had to go to Pomona instead. <laughs> well, I think it was what more like this anger inside of you. <laughs> no, I think for me it was more like I knew my parents really loved Pomona College. Okay, like okay. they're just hardcore alumni, and yeah. uh, neither of my siblings went, so I kind of was like, maybe I will go and fulfill this like dream for them. And also, it's a great college. And what'd you go for? Um, so I went in as a math major, which is hilarious because I cannot do any math anymore. Um, which leads to a very important question: mm-hmm. what What is your your favorite number? Mm, 
I've always been really partial to eight. Here's a good joke. You ready? Okay. What did eight? What did what did zero say to eight? What? Nice belt. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. It was fine. It was a good. It was it's a good, a good joke. joke. It's, it's a good legit. Joke. It's, it's solid. Anyway, it's, so you go from it's not nothing. bad. No. <laughs> Do you have a joke for every single number? No, I don't have a joke okay. for every single number. <laughs> I just got lucky. I just I like that one because uh, like the why was uh, seven afraid of eight? Like that's such right, a right, common right. joke. It's so old that right, 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 the yeah. eight and zero is mm-hmm. one that a lot of people don't know. That's, that's true. I hadn't heard that yeah. before. So anyway, I guess yes, you should have laughed. Sorry, it's funny. Yes, you should have laughed. It was <laughs> funny. Apology accepted. <laughs> why math? Oh, um, I was just really good at math in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just really enjoyed it, and it was uh, something where you could just like memorize a formula. And apply it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's clean. Like math is clean. That mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there's a. Yeah, college math is not clean though. Yeah, it it's gets like, poetic. At a certain point, you're just like writing sentences. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I went to like sociology the, and Asian American studies. What that's was what the theoretical career trajectory when you were a mathematician before? Uh, you just said sociology was what came I ended next? up doing sociology okay. and Asian American studies. What were you imagining for your future when you were a math major? I mean, I was still imagining like being a lawyer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How was math going to get you a law degree? You don't need to do anything specific to be a lawyer, though. Okay, like the bar test is just a test. You can waltz in off the street. You could be like an art major, you could be a philosophy major, and you could still go to law school, right? Because you just need to study for the bar. Okay. And, and then actually, if you're like, oh, look at all these other things, then you're like a well-rounded person. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. When do you switch over to sociology? Um, when do you turn your back on the cold science of math? Well, like that first semester I took a math class and I was like, oh, I'm terrible at college math. Like this is awful. (laughs) And like, I sort of like gave up on it very quickly. And then I took a sociology class and I really enjoyed it. Um, especially because my uh, professor took like a more social justice lens to it. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested in, I, I also just like thinking about like why people are the way they are, like how does society function? Um, and it like coupled really well with like my already, like this already having this interest in Asian American studies and ethnic studies. So they felt like they went together hand in hand. They, they I think they do. Uh, the question I have before that, and this is not, I had said some dumbass questions just to be uh, goofy, but this one is something that I think about when I'm stuck in traffic. Did we invent math or did we discover math? How do you frame it in your head? Mm, I mean... I see what you're doing there. I think that like (laughs) there are like laws of the world that make sense and we created ways of approaching that. So I think it's like a combination, right? Mm -hmm. There are probably things that needed to be discovered, but we also created these things as a way of like measuring and figuring things out. It's just a weird, like math language we invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, science, we discover those things. Mm-hmm. And math is kind of like right between the two in this weird, yeah. like interstitial thought space that, right. that uh, is is fun. It, next mm-hmm. time you're in traffic, just kind of roll it around. and Yeah, and no, it's true. Because I think there's enough things that like work out so perfectly. It's almost like it just needed that right formula or that right person to yeah. like finally make it work. The one is one, but the poetry of math is not... <laughs> Science. It's anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Let's get into that sociology and how you how you land in in. A, I I don't even remember. You had a long string of words. Uh, sociology and Asian American studies. Yes, that yeah. was the string of words. Uh huh. How'd you land? What year is that? Second semester, first year, or um, is it second year before you you make the swap? I 
swapped by like, well, I think I, I don't know if I formally swapped at the end of first year or the beginning of second year, but I mm-hmm. took both my first sociology class and Asian American studies class my freshman year. Okay. Yeah. And I kind of knew when in knowing I wanted to do Asian American studies, um, like whether it would be a minor or major or just like some classes that that was the thing I knew I wanted, um, again, because of my sister. And then I think sociology was something that I just like accidentally fell into and was like, this is really enjoyable. Well, sociology, that's like the study of people, behavior and groups of people. Well, how, would, mm-hmm. how would you define sociology? Yeah, um, I think they normally focus on like society and then like, like people, how they are interacting and behaving in a way that makes all this come together. Um, it'd be different from um, anthropology and that like anthropology tends to look more historically based. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's both qualitative and quantitative. So it could be like somewhere they're like studying like communities or working in like a different area. I don't know. It's like, I think it's just like studying people, right? And trying to understand like what is happening here and then what does this mean for everyone else? A big question that comes into my mind, especially like it, it, it's easy to frame it and bring it back to the little Tokyo community is there's like, there's the way people talk and behave as individuals, uh, the, the ideals that the average person would express or the, the goals that they feel that they should be working to and that society should be working to. And it doesn't always feel like it's a one-to-one matchup, like what the mm-hmm. most average expressed answer from an individual is and how groups of people behave often seem to be in direct conflict with each other. Does any of that mm-hmm. make sense? That, that Like they might think one thing, but the way they act is separate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you could get anybody on the street to agree that all families should have a chance to live and grow up together in harmony and peace. Mm-hmm. And still, like the society doesn't behave that way one-to-one ratio. In fact, it feels like it's too frequent that, that, yeah. I mean, humans are not rational. I think when like market-based econ folks are like, well, rational decision-making says this, I'm like, that's great. But humans are actually not rational. People don't act in their best interest or they don't, they're very like easily led astray. Like, or, you know, like people might act from this one point of privilege, even Mm -hmm. if it actually hurts all these other things that are more present in their life. And, you know, it's hard to say like what is happening in their brain or in their like mind that would move to that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was trying to figure out what like I was thinking about it this morning pulling in. Um, why do people go to Starbucks? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Like if if it's a binary choice of. Starbucks thing I know and can recognize immediately and other, mm-hmm. they're going to go with the easy, like the, right. your brain is always looking for the easiest, quickest answer. Right. They know what they're going to order. Yep. yep. They know yep. what it's like, that experience is like. It's yep. not intimidating. Yep. They know if they ha- if it has the gluten-free option or the lactose-free, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a conversation about whether they have soy milk or not, mm-hmm. or there's a surcharge. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it's ease. Yeah. And, and people get attached to brands very easily. That's something I don't understand. I, I have no brand loyalty <laughs> whatsoever. It's hard to convince yeah. me to be loyal to people (laughs) (laughs) Leo Um, I feel like Japanese Americans are known to be pretty like brand loyalists Mm -hmm. and so for me like it makes sense right like uh, there's just like certain brands of things that like everyone uses and you're like oh yes like we all buy house tofu Um, and you wouldn't even buy another brand right you'd be like what is this this is the one I grew up with this is the one I know and I think it's just like comfort and ease yeah yeah Mm -hmm. 
Can we talk about the, there's something I see around here a lot and it is uh, Save Little Tokyo, mm-hmm. which I don't feel like I understand on a practical sense, mm-hmm. but I do feel like I understand on a societal sense. Mm-hmm. Like it feels to be this this sentiment that has existed in this neighborhood for decades at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like the threats feel esoteric mm. and the action feels like maintaining community, which is not really like an actionable thing. It's more mm-hmm. like a... A lifestyle. You can't go out and maintain community from one to two in the afternoon, three times a week, and say that you've done your part. You know what I mean? Uh, how do you frame this this discussion of Save Little Tokyo mm-hmm. on a societal level and then on a personal level? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Little Tokyo is going through a number of changes right now, and it has been. And I don't think there's ever been a time when it was sedentary from the beginning of sure. its history. Not, I'm not trying to discount what yeah. you're saying, but just as I discover what the history of this mm-hmm. neighborhood is, it is always in in flux of one kind or another. But right. let's talk. Let's focus on current current flux. But I think like a few years, like so, the uh, Sustainable Little Tokyo Initiative and campaign. Um, that was created right in response to the regional connector coming in um, and us realizing that like once that starts, everything is going to change. Both construction will hurt folks, but also it will bring in all kinds of vultures and speculators, new developers, like the property value will spike. All of these things will happen. And it really set us up at these crossroads of like what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, like people have always been talking about these changes forever and talking about like saving little Tokyo and like gentrification itself even started a long time ago. Like we usually market it around like the early to mid two thousands for when like that really happened because the nineties were such like a, a crime ridden, like dark time in the neighborhood that like mm-hmm. that turn of the century, that first wave of gentrification really changed things. But so what people are looking at is like the, the loss of things, right. Displacement. Yeah. Um, Yes, like things are really lively and popping right now, but also we're seeing small businesses being driven out. We're seeing uh, property owners um, selling it and it's just flipping and it's not about like people and community, right? It's more about that bottom line interest. We're also seeing other interests from across Southern California, across the nation, across the globe who are seeing this just as like dollar signs, right? They're not thinking about the historic neighborhood. And so when we say save little Tokyo, there are specific campaigns we're pointing people to like First Street North, Um, But it's also about like, how are we fighting for our community so that we can stay here? Like we are happy with like change and progress, but it needs to be for us, not for someone else. Yeah. 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 I, I, how long has save little Tokyo been a a catchphrase? Like it feels like it goes back. You look at these old photos Mm -hmm. on the wall and sixties, seventies, like when, I mean, it's, it's not like, um, itself an ongoing campaign. I think but it's it just something like that people have used. it's been a part used. of this society. Yeah. And I think it's just because like, it's what gets to the core of what people care about. Like if you are using that phrase, like people don't use it lightly, right? Yeah. Like they're not like when even like beloved institutions close or in danger, people aren't saying like save little Tokyo. We kind of like reserve that for like the big fights, yeah. the big moments when we need people to pay attention. Like, no, this is a moment when we need everyone to sort of pitch in and do what we've always done as a community to like come together and fight for our historic neighborhood. Which I, I think uh, smoothly brings us to Little Tokyo Community Council. Am I getting that mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, w- you work there? I I'm saying it like it's a question <laughs> as I'm trying to guide yeah, our audience no, into am, new information. Um, our first and only staff. I'm the managing director. This position was created at the beginning of last year. You are the first year. and only staff member at LTCC. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so we're also turning 20 next year. So. Is it safe to say that 
you run these streets? Uh, uh, no, it's not safe to say that at all. I'm it's still like super not safe. <laughs> looking for the person who runs these streets. Um, you could talk to Brian Quito. I just saw him on the street like an hour ago. Would he cop to running these streets? He would probably, like all Japanese Americans would be like, oh, no, no. But then he'd okay. kind of smile. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, we're a very collective, horizontally based, consensus driven community. And so that's how that's, we operate. That is the exact reason I'm looking for who will cop to running these streets. Because I know that nobody, nobody will take the title. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so what do you do at LTCC? What are you, what are you um, cooking over there? You've been there 10 years. Well, I've been involved in Little Tokyo okay. for 10 years. Okay. And, and I've been involved been with the LTCC? community council. So I joined the board in 2010. Okay. Um, and before so it was that, two I was, years in and you were... Yeah. You were running. Well, I was already LTCC. involved with some committees. No, just okay. joining the, I mean, it's a large board. We have. Okay. Like, oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So I think right now we have 23 board members and that's not including myself because I'm yeah. staff. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I, in 2014, became the first project manager for Sustainable Tokyo. So that took me off the board because LTCC was sort of like the fiscal holder for mm -hmm. Sustainable Tokyo at the time. And then in 2017, I started in this position and it, I became like our first ever full-time staff. What you're seeing right now is me hoping and praying that you do not ask me what fiscal holder means Yeah, yeah, or no, anything. no problem. That's um, so far off my it's radar. It's fine. So sustainable because it's a, it's a community campaign and okay. it has three lead partners, Japanese American, Culture, Japanese American Culture and Community Center, Little Tokyo Service Center, and the Little Tokyo Community Council. So for the first staff position for the campaign, LTCC was like, we'll hold the project mm -hmm. and we will uh, contract out the project manager. So they contracted okay. me. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. You have any fire takes on the uh, Little Tokyo Service Center? I Anything love LTSC. Oh, you're not getting the thunderclap <laughs> no, on that No, I like one. really That's, do. Yeah. I'm so grateful for them. Um, the the yeah. feeling is shared. Yeah. The um, So actually their original or their founding executive director and then the founding executive director of the museum, Japanese American National Museum. Those two are the ones who created the Little Tokyo Community Council back in 1999. So what what are you doing? Like, what's your day to day like at LTCC? What, what are your kind of responsibilities and, and goals? Um, so LTCC, just to say what we do and what we are, we are the nonprofit community coalition of businesses, residents, churches, temples, cultural and community institutions, and other vested stakeholders in the little Tokyo community. We bring people together to talk about what's happening in the neighborhood. How do we feel about it? Um, and what can we do? And then we organize folks to then uh, advocate and fight on the best interests of little Tokyo. So that's all to say that we just kind of do everything. So my day to day is mostly just like meetings and running around. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm just with community folks and sometimes we're at city hall or Metro, um, kind of just depending on the day. But in general, um, we are the ones kind of trying to deal with all the changes and making sure that little Tokyo voice, uh, the little Tokyo voice is heard and, uh, really just based around the ideas of community control and self-determination. So if the city wants to do a project here in the past, like 50 years ago, the city would just do whatever they wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. And then people would be like, well, we didn't want this to happen, but now we're stuck with it. And now we have this body that lets us stop them and say, have you talked to us? Let's see how we feel. We make sure that those most impacted are first heard and then kind of spread it out from there. And then we go to the city. We're like, this is what we are going to let you do. We're going to fight you on this. And then here's something we'd also like you to do. And this is one of those, this is one of those uh, challenges that um, you will never, like, you either have to look at it as every day is a success or realize like you will never, like it's an ongoing project. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be a day when you're like, eh, 
did it. We can finally close up shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's pretty endless. I'm really bad. And I think in general, we're all really bad at celebrating our successes and victories. And that's because right now in particular, there's just more happening than there's ever Mm -hmm. been where it's not just one big project that everyone's looking at. It's like one big project plus five other big projects plus like 20 small things happening. And it's all very ongoing and endless. And some of it, you know, if we're talking about Metro rail projects, like that's like a 10, 20 year thing that we're dealing with. Um, If we're talking about anything from the city, they also take a very long time. Um, And if we're talking about something smaller, like not smaller, but like less from the city, like small business displacement, Mm -hmm. how to support them, that's, that doesn't end either, right? So I feel like most of our projects are pretty never ending and it's just about how do we build power and community. Um, yeah. And what what can be done? Like, uh, first, I want to talk about it from two different perspectives. First is small business and then uh, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So I, I forgive my ignorance, but like the small business, if people come in and buy the thing, then they can continue to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um that's a very like small view of of business and mm-hmm. of the world, and I imagine you have a, a larger, more complete, uh, and probably more empathetic view of what what small businesses how they can be successful. How do you keep them mm-hmm. moving? Like what what mm-hmm. is done besides just foot traffic? Like how do you how what do you do? How do you do? How do you like, succeed how do at this you, thing that I have no like, idea how, do how to do? It? Small businesses? Yeah, that's yeah. the question. Do you want to jump in this seat for a while? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I mean, I think that that's something our community has been sort of struggling around for a long time because, yeah, like in a traditional capitalistic individual based society, you would not think about like how am I helping this business? But I think in little Tokyo, like small businesses have always been really like the foundation and the core of the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we've also now have this, have this huge growth of nonprofits and institutions. We've also always had churches and temples. Today, we still have eight churches and temples, but um, businesses have always just been really like at the heart of what little yeah. Tokyo is. And they've always been part of like leadership and making sure that uh, we're like looking forward with you know, the community at the core of that. So I think when it goes back to like, how are we supporting folks now? Like, yes, there is like shopping local and being really mindful of your dollars. Like I like to lecture people when I give tours and I'm like, you know, just really think about like your money does matter. Like it seems like a very frivolous thing. Every dollar is a vote. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I tell people like I haven't been to a, a Starbucks in Little Tokyo in like five or six years. Like I just have not, right? I'll be maybe a Starbucks in like the middle of like Vegas, but not yeah. here. Um, and that's because I want my money to go someplace that matters. And then I even think about like how businesses give back a lot, right? Like our businesses here in Little Tokyo are asked to give all the time or to host something or to donate something or mm-hmm. to give something for free. And they do it because they care, right? Like they also love this community. They care about these institutions. Um, and so there is like a community uh, like economic cycle, right? Where like I give my money to Cafe Dulce and then Cafe Dulce is supporting all of these institutions and those institutions support people like me and my community and my family and my people and that kind of brings us all back up where we can create these cycles and keep our money in our community mm-hmm. all supporting each other but if you give it to Starbucks if you give it to Pinkberry they're just keeping it yeah, right yeah, they're yeah. not even putting they signs up in their wall they don't need to spend yeah. on anything mm-hmm. the, 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 the hoarding that happens like once a critical mass is hit with wealth and you can't mm-hmm. buy it like you're just out of things to buy right you hit this huge this goes beyond small business this is like uh uh work like 
society collapse level mm-hmm. problem that we're talking about is incredible, pointless hoarding at the top. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just like leeches at a yeah. certain point. And so like my family's always banked with Union Bank and mm-hmm. it's because they are a Japanese bank, but also they have always supported every single nonprofit and like institution in our community. And so that, my parents feel good about our money going there. That leads to the the second half of the question is what what are you doing? What work are you doing with the nonprofits? Because that feels like kind of infinitely more complex and also infinitely simpler than mm-hmm. than um, than a than a for profit business. Like mm-hmm. it it feels more complex because you have to do fundraising, mm-hmm. but it also feels more simple because you don't really have to worry about the capitalist monster breathing down <laughs> your back at all t- yeah. times. Um, I mean, Little Tokyo is like a very interesting place to think about like the roles of all these places because mm-hmm. we have so many of them packed into like a pretty small neighborhood. I think I exaggerate a lot, so I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm always like, there's like a hundred nonprofits in Little Tokyo and I could be right. I could be also really wrong, but there are a lot of them. Um, and there's just like a, this really dense concentration here and everyone is doing something different, but from a surface, it looks very similar and people are like, why do you have so many? And we're just like, we love Structure. We love organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when it comes to the bigger picture of Little Tokyo, there is a piece I hope that runs through everyone where they recognize that like if Little Tokyo's here, they're not here. Some of them can like pack up and move, right? But if you are the Japanese American National Museum, if you are JCCC, your home is Little Tokyo. And that is yeah. so that's like even if they're like, oh, it's happening on First Street, that's a whole block away from me. But I'm like, we're all connected. Something that happens one block away is enough to impact all of us. Yes, and so there yes. is this larger sense that like, if we're not all actively coming together to think about the future, then we might not be here when it hits. So what what would you say if somebody has never been to Little Tokyo before? Like, what would you, how would you hope that they approach the town as a tourist? Like just checking out some restaurants and shops mm-hmm. or... Um, um, well, if they are a, it sounds, it all sounds yeah. very like heavy at this point. Right, right, right. No, it's, <laughs> it's kind really, of like, what can I do? Um, <laughs> well, so if they are just like a tourist, if they're just hanging out in the neighborhood, I would say, um, there's a lot of different ways to experience Little Tokyo. And we also have a lot of guides available on golittletokyo.com of how you can experience the neighborhood. Um, but it's also like you can, there's a lot of amazing like public art. There is a lot of amazing like museums and installations that they can look at. Uh, the historic businesses are like such treasures like Meat Suda Grill, which is at the corner of First and San Pedro. I just like uh, sit where in I the had corner. breakfast this morning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right? Did you have a gotcha? Uh, I did yesterday. Okay. I had okay. a regular omelet today. Oh, okay. well, variety is the spice of life. Oh, yes, 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 yes. No, But it, it was at the counter. Yeah, but you I, know, I have their Wi-Fi password. I just like sit in a corner back booth and like mm-hmm. work for hours and like they're very kind. They don't bother me. They just let me do my work. I've held like strategic planning sessions in one of their booths before with people. Um, and it's just like amazing that these places are like a home, right? There are living rooms. Um, that yeah. place, I love, I love that place because it like, you know, the old photos where it's like, you see the menu and it's like steak dinner, 50 cents. <laughs> yes. That it feels like the place that's in those photos when yeah. you walk into Matsuri, it feels like, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, it's a, a legacy diner yeah. kind of thing. And like, it's just, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, my, my daily experience is like walking around and like seeing a lot of folks I know, like you just feel like you're you're at home, right? Like you're waving at shop owners and you're like running into friends. And I've you're, only been here 
four days and I'm like bumping. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Princess, Tuesday. And it's like really special. And I forgot that's not common until like other folks will comment on it. They're like, you don't find this in other places. And no, like, no, you have a small town in the center yeah. of like the biggest booming megalopolis in America. <laughs> yeah. And now we're just like in backwoods here mm-hmm. for, for a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that's like such a special thing. But I think for folks who are not as like plugged in or not here every day and don't experience that, like there's other ways to enjoy the neighborhood, right? Like you can um, support these institutions. You can like try food that like there's a lot of food that was created here in Little Tokyo, like mochi ice cream or the California roll or Fugetsudo claims the fortune cookie. And I totally support that team Fugetsudo forever. Um, I'm not Googling it. It's fine. Don't I'm fine. not Googling just, it. Just know other people claim it, but I support Fugetsudo. Um, yeah. I went to the, the fortune cookie factory in San Francisco did they cop to it? They cop to it. Yes. Oh. Yes. Hold on. Get on mic. Get on mic. <laughs> and I've got the thunderclap ready to Did go. You? <laughs> We're getting guest speaker Mariko Lockridge is coming in to drop a bomb on y'all. I would just like to hop in to say that I've traveled to San Francisco. I went to the Fortune Cookie Factory in San Francisco. I did a live interview with them. I did ask them because they're often said on many articles that they have created the Fortune Cookie. Mm-hmm. They said that they did not create yes. the Fortune Cookie. And Who they did? Didn't, well, they didn't. They just said it was someone down in Los Angeles. Yeah, so of course it's Fugetsudo. Yes. Lightning strikes on the fishbowl. Thank you, Marco. So happy. Um, but yeah, it's just like a really walkable, lovely neighborhood. I'm when really... you listen to this episode, you'll hear the lightning sound effect. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's like, it's for families. It's for like young folks. It's uh, like, we really try to focus on being accessible to people like ages three to 93, right? So like mm-hmm. thinking about how it's... So why do you hate two-year-olds? Uh, you know what? They're just the worst. Those terrible twos. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yes. Just no, more I, like I once, understand. Once they're able to walk on their own, <laughs> okay. Like, otherwise, I assume they're being supported by, like, another human. Okay, so you just don't want two-year-olds coming here alone. Yeah. These streets are a little too mean for for a two-year-old. The gritty streets. Too Um, much for the two-year-olds. I've got a question. Um, And I'm not even going to ask that question. I'm going to ask another question because your answer is going to answer the question that I have in my head. And then I'll tell you what the question was that I'm not asking. So are you ready? Okay. Was that a good setup? Do you feel very comfortable and like we're on a good path right now? I feel wary, but let's do it. Um, How do you see the the nonprofits and the for-profits working together? Or is there like a Sharks in the Jets style gang wars happening between? No, I mean, I think... And by for profit, I assume you mean like businesses. I mean, yeah, there are yeah, some yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like, like lawyers and stuff here. But I think. Um, I mean, like the brick and mortar shops around yeah, the area. I think folks have always worked together. I, I think like with every community, there's like politics and there's power and people don't always get along or they share different perspectives. And sometimes the business perspective is different from a nonprofit perspective. But at the end of the day, like the big picture is little Tokyo. And as long as we agree that that's the most important thing, then people are still willing to come to the table and work together and talk together and like find a solution that works or at least be like, I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree. We're not going to like hurt you or fight you, but this is what we're going to do instead. And that's something that took us a long time to develop. Um, But also nonprofits weren't really a thing until like uh, like the seventies, eighties, and then didn't really grow to like positions of power until the nineties. So I think part of it is like, this is still 
new and it's easier for nonprofit folks to do this work. Cause like we get, like I get paid to do this work, right? Like I am paid to do this work and that's really amazing. And then other folks like the different shop owners who are really active and involved, they are taking time from their business to do all that. And that's so amazing. Right. And so I think uh, we try to really honor and value that and make sure that we are maximizing their time when they're here and we're not asking them to come to things they don't need to be at because it's like not a good use of their time. And so I think, the rise of nonprofits has led to taking some of the load off off businesses, but then trying to think about what's a way that we are still like really centering their voice and their needs. Yes. Yeah. The question I didn't ask, and I think I got a feel for maybe the answer, but how do you not get exhausted? Like, how do you stay energized in all this work? Because it sounds like there's a lot of work and mm-hmm. it doesn't sound uh, with how many people, let me check my one person on mm-hmm. staff. Mm-hmm. How do you not burn out? Mm. Um, well, I'm an extrovert, so I steal energy from people, which is a thing that extroverts do. That is why my face has caved in like a crypt keeper (laughs) over the course of Yes, we're dementors. Um, I mean, I, I would say like self-care and balance is important, but also like really, for me, like I do really love this place and I love the people I work with and I like genuinely believe and am passionate about what I'm doing. And so I try to make sure I'm like taking breaks. Like I go to Disneyland a lot. And it's what, like going what on is vacation. Your favorite ride? Um, I'm and there is a correct answer, and every other answer is wrong. My favorite ride is Peter Pan. GTFO. <laughs> yeah. The what doesn't it start out with him going, follow me off to Never Never Land? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. All right. Wrong answer. The right answer was Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion's great. There's no, a it's lot not of- great, it's favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay. You do the first pull. We're getting into the fishbowl. There it is. We wait on every episode for the bump of the microphone, and I'm so glad that we finally got one on this. Um, What'd you get? Baby baby writers? Baby writers. What would you like to say about baby writers? And I'm giving you no context for that whatsoever, unless you ask for it. Um... I think that babies could possibly make great writers. Um... (laughs) What do you reckon babies would write about? Just their lived experiences. And and would this be done through dictation? Like, would you need a baby stenographer to work with the baby writer? I don't, I don't know how to answer this. Um, yeah, that, that's what I think they would do. I think okay. that they would communicate to whoever they're working with about their thoughts on something, and it would turn into a quite the zine. Now I want, like, baby Charles Dickens and yeah. baby Franz Kafka. Imagine. It's like the... Baby Muppets? Yes. Muppet Babies? Yes. If you will. (laughs) I will, I will. (laughs) Okay. Excellent. Excellent answer to another. Oh, it stays out. No, no, no. Never again will we speak of that in this episode. (laughs) Next question. What is your go-to karaoke song? I wrote that one. Oh. You still have the answer. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're not exempt. I don't know the answer. You probably know the answer. It is, uh, okay, oh, let I'm me guess, gonna, let me guess, let me guess. Okay, fine. Uh, totally Clips of the Heart. <laughs> I do love that song. I you know, knew it. I but knew that's it. not it. That's not it. I usually, you know this because I kept talking about it at Haunted Little Tokyo. It's Stay by Lisa Loeb. Okay. I love that song. It's really, <laughs> it's a great song. Uh, follow up question. Is it weird when we say karaoke in America? If like you've lived in Japan, is it, would you rather it be said karaoke or karaoke as, as someone who's involved in the Japanese community? That's a good question. Cause it always felt weird in Japan to call it karaoke when mm. I was around Americans. And uh-huh. it's always weird to call it karaoke. I mean, around... I definitely code switch, right? Like with yeah. my JJA friends, I say karaoke. If I'm with non 
Nikkei folks, I will usually say karaoke. Okay. Unless they're Asian American, and then I'm like, whatever. You're not going to judge me, or you might be like, let's just go sing some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Your turn. Oh, I have to take. Oh, dang it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what was the dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done on set? Oh well, we're gonna we're gonna expand it from onset to at the office at yeah any work environment. Mm. And you are allowed to ding out if you want to, and you're allowed to. <laughs> that's the equivalent of pleading the fifth. <laughs> um, I could talk. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, well, what's this gonna? <laughs> Fair enough. Is it my fault? <laughs> my work people might hear this. Why? Oh. Why not? <laughs> your turn. Go for it. Okay, okay, okay. Um, what is your oh, what is your am I, am I asking this to you by the way? You there are no rules. You can ask it to me, this you can answer it yourself, okay. you can do whatever. So this is to you then. Do you have issues with the clarity of, of this program? Shut up. What is you your can, vision of what little Tokyo will be in 2038? What is my little vision? What is my your vision, vision of, of little, little Tokyo? Tokyo. <laughs> uh, what do I think it'll be like in 2038? It's like 20 years. Yes, in 20 years. Um, if we don't have flying cars, I will be filing a complaint with your office. Mm. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I talking to the young entrepreneurs, I think there are a lot of reasons, a lot of logical reasons to be excited about the future of little Tokyo. There's cool ideas coming out of here. There, uh, the folks we've talked to are really kind of charismatic folks who could be leaders in business and also very active and contribute a lot to, to community organization. Uh, so I do feel very optimistic. The threats are real. Uh, the, the train of capitalism is moving at a clip that I don't think we understand and we certainly can't stop. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, venture no guess what it will look like in 20 years but i do have hope and i have incredible excitement for what will happen in the next 10 20 years for this community is that fair diplomatic enough yeah all right now now to ask you a question (laughs) what are your top five disney movies okay you're just pulling all the ones that i wrote we should have like shaken that up well are you averse to this question do you know i know i know mine are the Rescuers, The Rescuers Down Under, Goofy Movie, Robin Yo, okay, Hood. stop. Goofy Movie, underrated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Massively underrated. And Best Soundtrack, Tevin Campbell. Dude, uh, what, what's his name? Electro, what's the guy's name? Um, You are referring Powerline. to Powerline. Yes. And that voice is Tevin Campbell. Those songs are dope. Powerline is so good. I'm aware. And I use uh, the perfect cast. In, <laughs> in, I drop that one every yeah. now and then. Like if I've every nailed something. Every time I go something. fishing, I also be like, oh, perfect cast. The perfect <laughs> cast. Yeah. Anyway, okay. What was next um, after Goofy Movie? Wait, so Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, Goofy Movie, Robin Hood, and Lion King. Robin Hood. I love Robin Hood. Now here's what's whack about your list. And this mm. is empirical. This is not opinion. Mm-hmm. You did not mention anything from the the rebirth trilogy of disney you did not mention the little mermaid mm-hmm. you skipped over aladdin mm-hmm. you gave short shrift to beauty and the beast mm. such a pivotal point in Look, disney's career i love career. those and i think the and that you went for lion king before those three 
uh, kind of invalidates a lot of... Mm, excuse you. Because if it wasn't Lion King, it would be Moan. Sometimes those two switch out. Okay, so you're just whack. I you're just, just have you're just wrong. eclectic taste in things. Also, I don't know. For me, those are just like so standard. They're just like they're just like the air around you, right? Like they exist. We all know that we love them. And Wait, great. how old are you? Are you slightly younger than me? Where uh, those three? That trilogy came out when I was most susceptible, and Mulan and Lion King were coming out when you were most susceptible. Is this a generation gap that how we're looking at? I'm thirty-seven. I think hmm. like ninety percent chance I'm thirty-seven. 90%. Okay, well, I'm 30. Okay. Um, so Lion King came out in 1995. How old were you? I was, I don't know, like eight, seven or okay. eight. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, but the... Little Mermaid was my favorite when I was a kid. I had the sleeping bag. I had the Game Boy game. I had the Super Nintendo game. I had the ornament. I had many things. Watching, like, that was my jam. Uh, yeah, and if that's not on your list, that's cool. That movie is not hashtag woke at all. There is, it's uh, problematic as, as a film can be. It is problematic, yeah. Um. Oh, cool. Glad we got that all covered. This uh-huh. is what people tune in for. <laughs> and you don't, you don't count touchstone pictures as Disney, like Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm, well, if people, so the way I've played this game with other people is we sort of set the rules. Like sometimes okay. we say uh, okay, animated okay. only. Sometimes we say you can include live action or original channel movies. But these are just like my five okay, favorite. Okay, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. You can only speak your own truth. No, I, I know who I am. <laughs> Please, I'm going to give you a thunderclap on that. Lightning has struck again. Um, Okay, so I'm leaving this to you, right? This is long. What is the best thing you've ever drank? Describe the feeling slash experience. Oh, it's from James. That I've ever... Oh. I feel like both of you have to answer it. The liquid... Oh, you shouldn't have said it's from James. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that going to change your answer? No. Because his tea is good, but I got tea from another place the next day in Little Tokyo, and they had cinnamon in it, and it was just you like... You ask for cinnamon at Cafe Dulce. I didn't? Like, it's my own mistake. You're putting this on me. I'm just saying. Okay, I will go back to Dulce <laughs> this afternoon and get some tea with cinnamon in it and mm-hmm. see if it competes with the, the other tea I mm-hmm. got in in uh, in Little Tokyo. But, but what about you? Best thing I've ever drank? Um, hmm. I mean, it would... Probably be like a really nice wine or whiskey. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know which one, but I would say of like favorite things, it's mm-hmm. going to be in that category. Are you a red or a white? I'm more of a red, but a lot of my favorite like wine experiences have been like a really nice Chardonnay, mm-hmm. you know, but. Do you, do you rock with the rosé? Um, on like a nice summer day, like okay. a picnic, of course. Okay. Would you wear a shirt that says no. rosé Jose? No. Okay. No. <laughs> We ask the hard-hitting questions of the fishbowl. I can tell. Journalism at its peak. Two-part question, again from James. Are you pro-gun or anti-gun, Second Amendment? And number two, what does the Second Amendment say? (laughs) James, what a turd. Um, Okay, I'll answer the second question. I don't don't know exactly what it says. Mm -hmm. And I know something about, like, a militia. Yeah, right? we have the right to bear arms for yeah. well-maintained militia yeah. is the backbone of any independent democracy right. or whatever. Like, I couldn't tell you word for word, but I'm like, something about the right to bear arms. Yes, um, yes. I personally hate guns. 
I am not anti-Second Amendment, but I am strongly gun control and regulation. And I think a lot of the stuff out there, people don't need like anything that's like heavy duty or more actually created for like military. I think the number of rounds people are allowed is ridiculous. I think the lack of like, I mean, everything, right? I think everything about a picture is ridiculous. I'm not saying that like, because I understand for some people, it is literally their culture, right? In the way that I feel about like, Obon or like things in little Tokyo like that's my culture no, but, and for them that's like their culture but they don't need everything bullshit Obon doesn't kill people Obon wasn't yeah. designed with the express purpose of murdering other things no I so it, the false equivalency I this is me trying yeah, to be like this is your I, truth but now you're hearing no, a little no, bit no, of no, my, no, no. My, like, I, I, I totally hear you and like I don't disagree, but I try to be empathetic and be like, okay, like for them, like what is this visceral reaction they have? Like why, where are they coming? Like what is triggering them where they get so riled up about it? And I think it's because for them, it's like they, for some folks, like this is my identity. Yeah. Like they did, like they grew up hunting, they grew up whatever. Like it's like very natural. I want people hunting. I want people spending time together out and like, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Yes. But obviously it's not working. The equation isn't turning yeah. out a positive integer at this point. Yeah. We need to rethink the equation. Like, There's I no- have no interest in being near around guns. I mm-hmm. really hate them. They like freak me out a lot. Um, I also did not grow up in any kind of gun culture though. Like yeah. no one in my family except for like one cousin and some of my cousins who live in like not California. You know, you they don't it. strike me as a like a gangbanger, I gotta be <laughs> honest. That's fine. I have shot a gun. I was really good you at did? it. You did? I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Is where, it the uh, LA shooting gun range? club in okay. Arts District? In the Arts District is where I <laughs> shot my first you, gun. Do you get to shoot pieces of art? <laughs> no. Just, uh, you know, just one of those, like, well, How things. much would it cost to, to pop off a couple of rounds at a Van Gogh or something like that? Oh, for a Van Gogh? Yeah. Quite, quite pricey, I'd imagine. Oh, my God. I just got my million-dollar idea live on the air. <laughs> Your turn. Please pull one. Okay. And then we'll, we're, we're kind of winding down. I think we'll do one or two more. Uh, what is your favorite place to hide in LA? In my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Let's continue. <laughs> what has, this is an interesting one. What has been the strangest hour of your life? Like when did, when did the wheels come off? When did it, nothing feel normal for a while? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is something I'd have to like stop, stop and think about for a while. We don't have time. For I know. That, exactly. So we're going to ring a ding yeah. ding and you'll pull the next one. Okay. If it, if it occurs to you, you are allowed to answer later. Sure. Sure. Um, is there another language you can speak or accent you can do for us? That sounds like uh, it could either be really kind of positive and interesting or just racist. I was going to say, I recommend the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would hew toward, towards that one as well, if at all possible. Do you speak any? Are you a polyglot? No, I okay. am terrible. You're a monoglot? I'm like really working on my English still. Okay. Um, I took Spanish classes in high school mm-hmm. and I watch enough Terrace House that I'm like, sometimes I understand what people are saying in the market next to me. And I'm like, yes terrace house teaching me Japanese slowly okay but no okay. mostly no and is there some wildly racist accent that you'd like to do on no, the I, air no I would not I don't believe it. I'm so shocked that that was your answer <laughs> indie filmmaking indie filmmaking yeah oh that's the question that's the question I support it alright then you want to wind down yes you wanna, I, let's, let's blow this popsicle stand yeah. alright uh, we got some music to close you out here we go this has been the Hollywood Fishbowl, and I've been your host, 
Jesse Hester. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on the internet at www, that is spelled www.hollywoodfishbowl.com. And those are little periods, not the word dot. You will find nothing if you write the word dot. If you are more prone to the Schminstagrams and the Twitters, I urge you to check out at HWFishbowl, but it is not about us. It is about our guest. Kristen, where can people find you? Um, they can find LTCC's website online, www.littletokyola.org, on Instagram, uh, LA underscore Little Tokyo, and on Facebook, which just search LTCC. Beautiful. And I want to say, as the music winds down, and it will be quieter when we broadcast, it's impossible to hear anything over this mix. <laughs> Thank you sincerely. <laughs> for coming on to the Hollywood Fishbowl. It has been nothing but a joy to talk to you. That's Thank not you. true. Sometimes it was an exquisite joy. <laughs> Thank you. I Thank enjoyed you it so too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.